Not quite all folks, the Lane Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hanlon, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and we're both tired, we're both a little cr- cranky and crazy, and we're going to spend our day talking about three shorts where the Looney Tunes go to Europe. Let's go. Uh, yeah, it's National Looney Tunes European Vacation. Yeah. So that means it's going to be some out-of-nowhere nudity... It's going to be not as good as the first time they went on a vacation. And Eric Idle will be here for some reason. Actually, no, that, that fits. The Eric Idle joke actually fits because Merlin is in one of these shorts. So. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even mean that. Ugly, or, an ugly Merlin, too. My well, goodness. Merlin's pretty ugly when, when Eric Idle plays him as well. So. I mean, it's Eric <laughs> Idle. He's not the looker of the Pythons. That was always Palin. Um, I digress. Um, yeah, shorts where they're in yeah. Europe. Uh, you may think this is a pretty random theme to pull out of nowhere, uh, but the, there is a, a multiple of ten episode coming next week, and so maybe there's some things that maybe there's a Looney Tunes movie where they go around uh, a bunch of places, including Europe, um, that we might be setting up. Maybe, maybe it's prominently on the poster of said movie. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the ones we're covering are French Rabbits, A Pizza Tweety Pie, and Nightmare Hair. Yeah, a very odd bunch. I mean, you know, uh, not. I mean, we, we get to three different Golden Age directors and lots of different pieces of, of the 50s. But um, it's, these are some ones that, that yeah... <laughs> These ones are, are ones that you, you forget about, but um, yeah, um, two of these were on Gone Collections. Yes, one of them I remember watching on the Gone Collection, and another one of which I did not remember that I saw on a Gone Collection until I literally started watching the cartoon and went, "Oh, that's oh, yeah. right, I did see yeah. this one on a later yeah. volume." <laughs> It has that effect, and we'll get to that one much later. But we're going to go to the one that I think we both remembered clearly was on a Golden Collection. Yeah. Because this is a pretty memorable one. Uh, French Rabbit, or French Rabbit, if, if you actually pronounce things regularly. Uh, it was released on June 30th, 1951. Uh, Strangers on a Train, the Hitchcock film, was in theaters. Uh, not a hell of a lot else going on that day. This was directed by Robert McKimson. Way don't leave. Don't leave. Uh, and written by Ted Pierce. It's also very funny because his brother Charles worked on this. Yeah, and that's how he knew it was a McKimson. So I was like, credits go, Charles, oh shit, it's a McKimson one. Because you brought this up, how like, we look at three different directors in this one. I think mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've done that. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of them just skewed towards one. Yeah, so so this is nice. So it's like, oh shit, nice, yeah. we... We start with McKimson. Yes. Because he has such a great track record. Yeah. You know, we know his opinions on women. Um, and we know his opinions on on uh, uh, Brewsters. But um, 
We'll see his opinion on French people in this one. Um, <laughs> actually, it comes off pretty kind compared to his thoughts on women and um, and <laughs> roosters. But um, so it, it starts out pretty simply. Uh, you know, there's a truck that drops a crate of carrots, and Bugs is in the crate of carrots, and Bugs realizes pretty quickly that he's in Paris. And Mark, if you don't point out, along with me, that Bugs' mouth doesn't move when he acts, now where do you suppose I'm at? I'm strangling you. <laughs> well... Did you notice that? I think I did. Okay, and good. If not, I, I did. didn't want to bring it up because there are moments in this cartoon that I really did like animation-wise. I know. So. But, but yes. You know. The lip sync's a little bit wonky in some moments. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, it starts out pretty simply where Bugs is like, oh, oh yeah, and, and I'm in Paris and, and mispronounces a whole bunch of French things. And that's a lot of this. Uh, I just wrote down here, um, French stuff. Rudy La Pakes. Mm. Eiffel Tower. Champs Hey, I must be in Paris. Well, Polyvoo's Francaise and ooh la la. I'm just going to stroll down the boulevard and look over the Monsuas and the Madame Oisels. It's fr- he just sprouts a bunch of did did um did, did they just go to a like a Paris um tourism booklet and go okay here's France just put it in the short yeah there's Apple Tower make a joke with Apple Tower it's, a, it's yeah it's very basic French knowledge yeah in this. and it's, there's a lot of that throughout this of just like just words that they say that are just really basic French. And just making fun of the fact that most of the people yeah, working on this didn't know a lot of French. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of this is French for the sake of French because they're French phrases. They do a lot better in the Pepe Le Pew cartoons because um, they'd actually, you know, have fun with it. But, um, yeah, you know, so Bugs eventually gets towards a, you know, a street where there's two, <laughs> two warring French restaurants. <laughs> or, as they say in France... Two warring restaurants. Maybe they do different. Maybe they don't do French food. But then again, they're in France, so there's a good. You got a good idea of what they're probably going to do. And the conflict of this is that both of these chefs named uh, Louis and Francois. Um, yeah, the conflict is they both want to cook bugs, and bugs, you know, eventually has to play them against each other. And this is pretty much French hillbilly hair. Um, right down to the warring mm. chefs having the same hair color as the little brothers from hillbilly yeah. hair. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Now, not that there's too much wrong with that because I do like hillbilly hair. But yeah. just from a character design standpoint, like, yeah, you can tell. It's one of McKimson's tells of like, yeah, you know, not completely derivative, but yeah. I mean... To be fair, they look funny. Mm-hmm. I like the French chef design. I can, they're kind of... They're simple in nature, but just in the expression work, it's very it's very well done. Yeah. But you can also say that about the hillbillies. So right. It's like, yeah. But, you know. But the whole first bit of this where it's both of them discovering a rabbit and, you know, um, one of... You know, like, like they're both trying to catch bugs and one of them you know, makes sure... 
that he gets the um, that he, he it, it, there's a whole bit where he thinks he has bugs in the little um, the the tin and and bugs out there saying oh I bet the rabbit looks really good in there and it turns out to be the other chef and because we've seen this gag so many times it doesn't hit as much as it usually does. I do like the little bit where he's manipulating them against each other to beat each other up. Like he's saying, you know, if someone were to call me that, I would do this. If somebody were to do like, to, to squeeze my nose, I would do this. And just just casually, Bugs just hands them a mallet and iron and gets them to beat each other up. I like how smoothly that goes. Yeah, and I did like just the complete and senseless violence yes. where, where they get to a point where they're fighting. And Bugs just hands each of them a mallet and a frying pan. And they're just like a good like ten seconds of them just beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. Very like classic cartoony. It's like this is the type of stuff that parent groups would yeah. point towards and go, see, cartoon violence, bad. It's like, no, that's just silly. Bring back wagon train. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite bizarre jokes from Simpsons of just, you know. Of, I don't know if we've even explained this on the show where it's it's the Itchy and Scratchy and Marge episode. Where, where Marge is, because they're all protesting against it, and Marge holding a sign. That in, and Marge being Marge is like, is, is, is explaining too much on the sign. It's like, I'm protesting because I'm outraged that my so my husband was hit on the mouth by my child, yada, yada. And we just cut to Mo, and Mo is like, bring back wagon train. It's like, <laughs> okay, Mo. <laughs> sure. But yeah. um, basically, the rest of this cartoon is. The black-haired chef nabbing Bugs. The black-haired chef is Francois. Uh, and planning to cook him. And Bugs, um, just to screw with him, bringing up the special Louisiana Back Bay Bunny Baudelaire, a la Antoine. Um, and it turns into this sort of ego kind of thing where Bugs is like, oh, you should, you should know how to make this, being the great fried chef that you are. And... It's so easy how bugs can outclass these chefs and stroke their egos and get them to do something really stupid and how and, and yes, this is the rest of the cartoon, this long gag of bugs screwing with both of these chefs and making them and, and teaching them how to do this by making them the rabbit in this situation and doing all those things to them as a demonstration while also just screwing with them. Um, but a couple pieces of this actually a lot of pieces of this are really funny. Um, first of all, how come this bug's no wasn't a meme? Because there's a note. Right? Because chef, the chef asked him for the recipe and Bug just goes, no. And I'm like, why couldn't you meme that? That's a much better no meme. And that you can actually watch the cartoon, see he says no, and actually make that something instead of just pausing a random freeze frame. It's much more easier to memeify. Gonna spread the word about this. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's this whole bit where Bugs is running the chef through the ringer and, and and preparing him as if the chef would prepare the rabbit, including dressing him up as a rabbit, complete with a glove on his head and two sugar cubes in his teeth, and then running him through this entire process of of all these things. It's 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 getting the chef into the gag with while having him completely forget his own reality. So it's a, a perfect Bugs sort of like getting somebody so far into it they can't tell head their head from their tail, and. A lot of this is more amusing than funny, but there are some pieces of the gag that work as little gags themselves, even though this is not a very gag-based cartoon. I mean, I, I, I really do like the, um, when he dresses the chef up as a rabbit, says, Wow, Doc, you look just like a rabbit! Yeah. See? It just presents a mirrorless mirror and just bugs his face. That's great. 
I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I that was really clever. Yeah. Um, but no, no, just a little piece of this where, you know, first soak the rabbit in wine, then pickles, and he's literally just shoving the, the guy in a vat of wine, which of course can't go well. And you just see him go slightly drunk and like, already I am uh, pickled, <laughs> which is great. Uh, and then Bugs just, you know, like like just r- like doing a whole marinade uh, with all of the spicy things he can find, including like horseradish and like all these peppers and things and a dash of Tabasco sauce. I like that, even if it doesn't lead to that much other than just like, you know, him dealing with the spicy things. And also, the like you know, he has to roll him out and like cover him in flour, roll him out, and knead him. And the animation of bugs need, kneading Francois, which is just throwing him around yeah. and stretching him all these different ways, is a great it's use just, of this show. It's this all smear frames. It's all smear frames, but it really works. Uh, I really did like. That. No, it's really cool. And one of the things about this cartoon that impressed me was the simplicity of the other chef, Chef Louis, coming in. Seeing bugs in the chef's cap, automatically thinking he's <laughs> Chef Francois because he's dressed like a chef. That is why I love Bugs Bunny cartoons because the characters are so stupid and are so committed to the reality that have already been changed. And then I also love Louis realizing that that is Francois in in, in the the bunny outfit, and Francois is very pissedly going. You were expecting maybe Humphrey Bogart, so that's cool. Um, yeah, so I, just, I, just, I just like Louis' delivery of what happened. I like that too. What's yes. wrong with you? What are you doing? What happened? It, it's it's the Fred Willard. It's the hey, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit from Mighty Wind is one of the greatest things ever to be shot on cinema. Back in 1960, I was once <laughs> awesome. I feel like I have to mention this. It, 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 it's forced as hell, but I don't care. Um, so this Louis character, he's a red-headed character who's short in stature, has a has a bit of a, a goatee, and um, I'm gonna play the theme to Louis right now. <laughs> the theme to Louis, which is the song Louis, which is an actual yeah. song before it was turned yes. into a, into a an anthem for a guy who takes his dick out. Maybe that's... I mean... Also an anthem for a guy that yeah. takes his dick out is uh, Rock and Roll Number 2 um, by Gary Glitter. Um, mm. That works on multiple Man. levels. Um, yes. But, so yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I, I don't bring that up. So, no, yeah, so... Louis' comedy special is going to be on Netflix next year, and that's going to vindicate his cooking career. Um, <laughs> cooking with Louis. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the rest of this is, of course, you know, um, Jeff Louis is now in there. And he's like, well, well, how did this happen? And Bugs like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll do you as well. Um, and and it's, it's Louis being thrown in the same pot and going through the same process. And a lot of it happens off screen because we've already seen it. Um... And, you know, he's finishing them off and, and, and Bugs it, puts, a, puts a, um, a, one last carrot in the pot with a stick of dynamite in it. And I love Mel's read of... Yeah, that'll put a kick in it. I like that a lot. <laughs> and there is something amusing about the ending. 
where, you know, obviously, you know, boom. But the chefs are so into the guys that they just start covering themselves with the oil they were cooked in going Viva La Antoine. And Bugs is like, honestly, I prefer La Hamboyne. You know, to the chefs that are so enthused about their own destruction that they're resorting to basting themselves. I like how the oven's called La Oven. Yeah, everything is La. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah there's lots of La. Um, so, not the funniest, but well animated, very amusing. Um, I, I like a lot of the, the little pieces of the, the whole second act. Um, uh, prep cooking preparation bit um not very gag friendly which is why i'm up to deduct some points a bit simple at times but i like this one i think it's a perfectly good mckimson one with bugs um not as good as some of the other ones from this time but um no i like it it's a presentable bugs bunny cartoon you know nothing nothing too wrong about it really just you know it's bugs It's bugs in Paris. <laughs> Bug rats in Paris. When you're alone, you're not alone. The one you love, is you. Oh, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even get that you were doing uh, neighbors in Paris for the second. Oh, yeah, week. I was okay. doing neighbors in. Just thinking, oh great, now in the end I have to awkwardly put in You're Not Alone by Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> Just doo-doo, 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 Whoa. when you're alone. <laughs> you're not alone. Uh, Rugrats in Paris. Rugrats in Paris. Not as good as you remember it. Oh, folks, no, it's, it's all right. Not as good as you remember it. It's all right. It's all right, but, but it's not as good as you they rushed to the third act. It's a little oh my god! Yes, they did. They they completely took out most of this the second act, just because they didn't want a movie to be going over like ninety minutes or whatever because it was for kids. Um, yeah. But yeah, good movie and you know good use of the Baja man. Um, oh yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, this cartoon. Yeah. Um, Three point five out of five. Perfectly serviceable bugs cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. Same. Three more five out of five. So this week, Mark had to do the Tweety and Sylvester cartoon. How did that go? <laughs> not, not that bad, actually. Yeah, okay. Um, so this short's called A Pizza Tweety Pie. <laughs> Came out on February 22nd, 1958. Got to happen on that day, uh, the 15th annual Golden Globes were presented. Mm. Best Film went to The Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah. Best Actor went to Alec Guinness. Yeah. And Best Actress went to uh, Joanne Woodward. Okay. A lot of these were repeated at the Oscars. Yeah. All right, this is directed by Fritz Freeling, written by Warren Foster. And there's a scene in this short that's familiar because it's in a montage in the Lily Bugs Bunny movie. Yes. Which we'll get to when we get there. So, you know, I feel like I say this every time we look at a, a Freeling short that takes place in another country, but the backgrounds are fantastic in this. Yeah. Italy looks, the buildings in Italy look very well done. 
very it pops out. It's very interesting. Yeah, immediately it just looks really cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean it immediately gets your attention. And reveal that though, Granny and Tweety are staying at the hotel. Something I I didn't write down exactly. Italian. They were staying. It was like the yeah, probably yeah. And you know, and Granny, you know, she's happy to be there. You know, it's like ah oh, man, we're we're in Venice with all the vent all the Venetian blinds, Mark. Venetian, yes, I with all the Venetian blinds. Granny's having fun. Yeah, she's on I, vacation. I, I like she Granny in this. Two, two, two bottles of wine in. Yeah, <laughs> she's. I think this is the kind of of granny that the um, the uh, Sylvester and Tweety mysteries people are trying to get yeah, right because it's like she's just happy yeah. to be there. She's having a good time. And uh, no, Tweety sings an Italian ditty, which is good taste. As <laughs> yeah, far as I know, I did look up what the song was. I hope it's an actual Italian song. It, it was. Um, it was no, no, no. I'm not going to make a joke out of that. Is it uh, Mamma Mia? I'm in Paris. It's um, it's an version. early um, it's an early version of uh, I'm Blue Dada D. Uh. <laughs> and we can all right. So Tweety's so, singing this song, and we pan over. Also, because um, it's it's Venice, it's it's filled with water. It, it's 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 on the the water plane. So yeah. Uh, Tweety has a joke about how there's a lot of barber shops in Italy because of all the the poles that are sticking out, which are red and white. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So we reveal a Sylvester, and and, and I love this because it's it's one of those. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's one of those intro lines from Sylvester that makes you go, God damn it, this character is great. Sometimes, okay, he just it's Mel. Doing an, an Italian, you know, accent of voice. Just, it just goes. A suffer and a succotash, a tweedy bird, a pizza pie. A little feathered paisano, I make a delicious sandwich. I, I, I can't hate that. I'm sorry. I can't. It's too silly. And the, the, too the Jared silly. Leto Award for great moments in bad Italian accents go to... <laughs> Mamma mia. Hey! <laughs> Fun fact, Mel Blanc was passed for the role of Mario before it went to Chris Pratt. Oh, that's why he was passed over. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, no other you reason. know. No other reason. Uh, so, yeah, so Sylvester just lays out his plan of I'm going to eat Tweety entirely in Italian stereotype speak. And, you know, his um, is he's going to eat Tweety in a sandwich. And he just runs off off the balcony and lands right into the water because yeah. it's all underwater. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, some of these early gags of Sylvester are, are handed handled too simply to work. Like this gag, you could have gotten a laugh out of Sylvester uh, just walking off the balcony into the water if you had timed it directly, if you had animated it correctly. And this next gag as well. Yeah, this is the um, the the boat. So, yeah. so Sylvester gets up. Ghost sees a boat, 
And he goes goes on like like the little like Italian boats you see and like media or whatever. And he's it's it's tied, so he gets a knife, cuts it, and for some reason the ship sinks. Yeah. Cause sure, you know. Like again, there's um, a funny way of yeah. doing that, but this just didn't work for me. So as a way to cross over to the other side, um Sylvester somehow finds like a like a like a raft a raft somewhere. Yeah. And he's trying to swim his way over to Tweety. Tweety just has a catapult and rock at hand. I don't know where he got it from, but sure. So he shoots it, shoots the raft. Um I do like the animation of the raft kind of flying around while while Sylvester's still in it, leading it to shrink to essentially cover his butt. Just shrinks to his tail. Yeah, I like that detail. You know, it wasn't another Sylvester sinks in the ocean again. No, just not enough to make it really funny. But you know, I, I, there was a bit better than the first couple gags. I will say. Yeah. Then there's this very quick gag of uh, of Sylvester just swinging from one side of, of of the of the building to the other, and it's a very swift. Sylvester jumps off. Swings, swings away, goes underneath the water, swims right into a giant fish. No, it, I think it was a shark, and I think it was a very happy yeah. shark. <laughs> Must be a relative of the happy bear from Wabbit Twobble. Maybe, maybe. Just look at yeah. how happy he is when Sylvester gets swallowed. Swallowed. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I just love the animation. Um. Sylvester realizing it, punching his way through and swimming out. Yeah. And like every time I see a character swimming away from a predator, I'm just immediately gonna go to Smee! <laughs> Smee! <laughs> just. I can't help it. I can't help it. It, it. it works every time. So we then get this uh, balloon gag where where he, um, the Tyler Balloon himself, runs a fan, and of course. Goes all the way up to the sky. He doesn't, of course. That's how logic works. That caught me off guard. Like, okay, we're just doing that. And I like the second part of the gag. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. So when I was watching, I was thinking because because Tweet just takes out like a nail essentially to pop the balloon. I was thinking like, oh, is he is he gonna shoot the nail and then we just hear a far away, ouch. <laughs> That would have been funny, but I actually liked what ended, yeah. ended up happening. No, yeah, yeah, but but I did like how it goes where it pops the balloon, Sylvester's falling, he sees the ocean, and he just gives into it. He puts on a swim cap, he gets into diving position, the camera pans <laughs> down to the water, and you don't see Sylvester because he was off. And he lands on the ground. That was great. Well, I, I love that. I also just laughed at the timing of the, the nail being launched, a distant pop, and suddenly you just see falling Sylvester appearing randomly in the sky. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Out of nowhere. It, it was a well-done gag. I liked it. And we then give this this elevator gag that I, I would have liked if I understood what the outcome was going to be. Yeah, me too. Because Sylvester goes to an elevator... Goes up to, to the top floor to get Granny Tweety. Uh, Granny Tweety go down the elevators. Okay, so so Sylvester goes down as well, and somehow he goes so down he comes out of the building back into the water. 
Yeah, I didn't. That one lost me. How does that work? Oh, I mean, I, I know cartoons, but come on, give me some reason. Um, and this is where we get like the, our same granny moment where, you know, there aren't, you know, the classic boats. They're, they're, they're taking a trip around Venice. You know, granny is, you know, says, ah, this is a moray or something. I don't know. Yeah. She's yeah. just. Happy to this be is, here. No, no, Granny just completely misuses it. It's like, this is really is cacciatore, which it's not even an adjective yes. that describes a, a nice thing. It's just a way of preparing chicken. It's, it's... <laughs> Granny's great in this one. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so his plan here is he's going to use a fishing pole to just fish Tweety out of the boats. Mm. But then... All of a sudden, their boat goes into super speed, speeds through, Sylvester catches it, rides rides with the boat, and then is able to duck his head in time as he lands through a sign that says to please, what was it, like, Loa Bridge? duck your head, Loa Bridge. Yeah, it's apparently a joke about Gina Lola Bridge, who was an actress of the time. And um, we've seen this clip before. It was yeah. uh, used in the introduction of the Louie 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 Bunny movie. It was like the, you know, hey, aren't Lee Tunes great? Here's this moment. It's like, yeah. It's a good gag. I liked it. But, you know. And, and okay, I, I did like this because this was like the, the, was like a moment of clarity. It's like, we have a heart. Sylvester, you're in Italy. Just food everywhere. There's fish everywhere. So I just love just Sylvester so sitting with a big bowl of spaghetti just says, Listen, you know why am bother chasing the bird? I'll just sit right here and I'll eat the spaghetti. Let's face it. As long as I'm an Italiano pussycatcher, I'll eat the spaghetti. Yes, this is where the accent went even more overboard. I'll eat to the spaghetti. Ah, so it's been Sylvester who's been eating his spaghetti. Where's Chef Alfredo when I'm you need sorry. him? I'm sorry. Should we explain that gag? Where's Chef Alfredo? Oh, you mean our lovely friend, the chef from the movies? No, not that <laughs> one. Chef Alfredo, oh, who's the other friend sh- to Ringo Starr. Oh, oh yeah, he's also an Italian chef. You know what? Yeah, because you know it's been a while since we shared inside joke on this show. Yeah, so yeah. there was <laughs> just I found on Twitter a while ago, just like um, you know, today I learned that the guy who did uh, Alfredo sauce and invented Alfredo sauce had his own restaurant in it might have been L.A. or something, and. Always got like he was one of those you know hey let's let's put all the pictures on the wall with me with all the celebrities that come in here and there was one photo in particular where it was him and Ringo Starr just a very confused Ringo Starr and him just like just <laughs> having just making a goofy face and then sticking spaghetti in, in his face or something and it just I sent it to Mark without any context and he's like I'm gonna need some fucking context. <laughs> You can't just send me a photo of, of an Italian chef Ringo. He's not providing me anything. And, um... 
And yeah, that, that was a running bit for a while. Oh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what we did with it. I don't we, know what did we did so with much. It or... um, there were so many fun things we did with it. Um, I remember because this was around the time that Peter Jackson's Get Back uh, documentary was coming out. And and then so initially I was like, if Shelf Alfredo doesn't make an appearance in this, I'm going to shit. And and then it turned into, all right, if he, he not only is he going to appear in it, he also needs to add to the nomenclature of the entire three-part thing. It's going to be the Fellowship of the Alfredo, the two the two breadsticks, and uh, Return of the Farfalle. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we're like... Like, no, no, no. He, he's actually catering. Yes. So, like, you'll be watching Get Back, and, like, there'll be the moment where George leaves the group. It's like, I'm, I'm leaving the band now. And then he just pan over to catering. Mamma mia! <laughs> no, no, no. It's going to be... It's George's like, well, uh, sorry, folks. I'm leaving the band. Oh, no. George is gone. Who's going to play guitar? <laughs> Cut to Chef Alfredo <laughs> jumping in and putting on his guitar. I used to do a little bit of this in Italy. Let's see. <laughs> no, he just rips into like the solo of the gods, and it's like, shit, we've got our guy. Man, fuck Eric. This is our guy. No, but but I think something else we mentioned is we re- we want like a multiverse of madness because. He's not the only chef running gag we have. Oh <laughs> my this god! Other chef. There's this other chef. Look, we got nothing yeah. for this. We're, we're going into this. There's this other <laughs> chef who appears in like like movie theater ads for advertising the local business. Like, oh hey, do you want to advertise local business? Come to Denmark. Come to RMC. Cut or whatever. <laughs> And every Come time, to Regal uh, Theaters. Yeah, yes. Which that that's that, that's why I realized that it was um national. Because I saw it at a regal. I'm like, holy shit, there's this and it's just it's it's like a stock photo. It's this guy and, and oh, God. dressed like a chef. Getting out of a limousine and having this completely surprised reaction, and it, I'm like, every time it, it comes up, he's just like, ah, and it's such like this almost evil smile, and I'm like, what the fuck? What's up with this guy? What's his story? <laughs> so dumb. And so every time we watch one of these, we're like, chef. I took a picture of it the last time, one of the last times I was there, and now I have it in my reaction images photo. So every so often, I can just send it to Mark and go, Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, yeah eating the spaghetti, which leads to actually a really good ending. Yeah, in the cartoon you were covering, so I'm can sorry I just if say, I can I just stepped on your toes. I say something. I say something. Yes. Um, when I said he's the one who's be eating his spaghetti. You know that meme from like two Januarys ago where it was yeah. like that old cartoon that people found? Yes. That was my reference. I know, I know. I which I, I know, I, which I wrote my notes. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not too sorry, but I'm sorry for yes. that random ass. All right. 
it's like it's, it's, it was sort of like my sort of bashfulness when I made the um, the traveling Wilburys joke. <laughs> uh, okay, what was the last guess? Right. Spaghetti, Mark. Spaghetti, spaghetti. So, Sylvester is eating the spaghetti. And he's like, I'm satisfied. And he sees Tweety's chest out of his cage, ready for the taking. So, Sylvester just takes a piece of spaghetti, turns into a rope, throws it across where this restaurant, and actually catches Tweety. Like, he actually has him. To, to a point where even Tweety is, like, concerned for his well-being, which is rare in these cartoons. Rarely sees Tweety actually being concerned that, hold on, I actually be in trouble. So she calls over Granny, and Granny's like, oh dear! Yes, and, and we just, we cut back to Sylvester, slurping the spaghetti up, and we see... A mallet has been tied to the end of the yes. piece of spaghetti. Which, my God, who makes this pasta? <laughs> Man, Italy makes the strongest pasta in the world, apparently. Yeah, you know. They, they sell that in stores. The Barilla um, spaghetti with a mallet on the end uh, pasta. Just, just it, it, it's the perfect breakup dinner. Yeah. Like, listen. Enjoy your I, spaghetti. I, I, made this, I, I made this pasta. <laughs> I, I think we'd see other people. Um... Oh, so yeah, so yeah, Sylvester gets slammed in the head with a mallet. Sees a bunch of random birds who also say, "I tried. I saw a pretty tat because I think they realized that Tweety hadn't said it yet. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, we have, we have to put it in. It's, it's, so yeah, and Sylvester just chases the imaginary birds, and that's where we ended. Yeah, so I I greatly enjoyed this one actually. Okay. Um, I really like the gag work. I. I, I do love the ending. Uh, I love that they acknowledge with, with Sylvester, like, you're in Italy, dude. Like, like, you don't have to eat Tweety in this one instance. Yeah. Have some spaghetti. Have some spaghetti, some garlic bread, some never-ending salad. No, Mark, When you're Mark, there, Mark, you're Mark, family. Mark. Olive Garden Mark. is in Italy. Those marketing bastards. You can actually go to places in Italy and you can... You can get Italian food that doesn't cause you gastrointestinal distress. It isn't oversalted. No. Well, I can, I can tell a very quick off garden story. I mean, you you, you know this guy. I told you this already, but that would be entertaining. So, yeah. well, I found my dog garden one time, and I think I think it was never any pasta bowl. And it was like, oh, create your own like, pasta. Like, go ahead. So, I think I, I got like rigatoni pasta. And they had this like pepper sauce, mm. where it was like a red pepper sauce. I'm mm. like, oh, that, that's it. That's different. That's new. I'll try it. And I, it was red. It was a red sauce with red peppers in it. Mm-hmm. And every single bite was the spiciest thing I've ever had. <sighs> so I'm like, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm experiencing pain, but I'm enjoying this. And sure enough, I, I think the next year they, they got rid of it or something. Oh. I, I, I never saw it again. See, that actually just sounds like, pretty good because I'm like, I mean, oh, oh yeah, you would like it. Yeah, no, because I I love um, I love spicy food. So yeah, <laughs> like 
I'll I'll go wild on all that shit. So, but I, I feel so bad for people who don't and accidentally getting into spicy. Oh things. no no! Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm I have a pretty good power of spicy food. This is just like above my level. Right. It's like ah, oh, that's that's too much. Well, my gateway into spicy food was um, when I was really when I was a kid. Um, Chili's used to have like on their kids menu, like uh, on their kids menu, used to have like a, like a spicy penne dish that was like. Okay, my lips are buzzing. I don't know why, but this is really good. <laughs> so that was kind of how I built my spice tolerance. Um, but yeah, see, I, 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 I was always and still am the the, the chicken tender uh, mm. go to. Cool. Oh, the, the chicken, chicken crispers at Chili's. Yeah. Oh man, so good. Those are the fucking best. I mean, they they. I mean, I don't. I should be worried that they taste the exact same as they always do when I was a kid, but. They're good. They're really good. They're good. Honestly. I I love it. And actually, 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 funny enough, like, like they, they've added like like a honey chipotle crisp. They, mm. they had like a crispy version of them. Mm. They're good, but like every time I have it, my stomach's immediately like, nope. "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, why, why, damn it, you're gonna feel horrible the next day. How dare you?" Ah, so. I'm give uh yeah I <laughs> did I say I can't wait my final thoughts yeah I, I can't <laughs> wait my final thoughts we're on a ramble um uh, so yeah what are your final thoughts on this oh uh, well, I don't have many of them honestly um it's not a perfect cartoon um a few gags worked a few gags didn't decent enough overall I really liked the ending like you did um I feel like it could have been a bit more substantial um but I liked a good amount of it. So I'm giving this short 3.5 out of 5 anvils. I'm giving it only a 3 out of 5, but it's still pretty good. Okay. Yes, we've gotten to the point where Mark, who doesn't like Tweety cartoons, gives the Tweeting Sylvester cartoon a higher rating than me, who actually likes them. So the last one here, it's uh, Nightmare Hair. Yeah! <clears throat> this was released on October 1st, 1955 couple things on this day um i believe this was the premiere of the honeymooners on television which is a pretty big deal uh, uh, yeah hmm? what was it robert mckimson really loved that show. yes he did to the point where he said this is my personality now yeah yes that's it sitcom like style cartoons sure that's what i'll do uh, also on this day, um, uh, Major League reliever Jeff Reardon, who pitched for the the Mets, the Expos, the Twins, probably some other teams, was born on this day. Um, pretty good picture in the 80s and 90s. And in theaters was William Wyler's The Desperate Hours, starring Humphrey Bogart. Chuck Jones directed this cartoon. Ted Pierce wrote it. I wrote in my notes here, this was on the fourth Golden Collection, yet I barely remember it before I started watching and realized I remembered more of it than I thought. And, um, you know, you know, Jordan, um, I think before we get into anything, I think it's fair to acknowledge that, um, a Canadian Yankee in King Arthur's Court is a very recurring story with Chuck Jones, apparently. Yeah, I like it. Because we, we already looked at, we already looked at a TV special he did of it. Yeah. And this is kind of like a, a shorter version of it, in a way. Yeah. I still wanted to do it. You know, only seven minutes, but it still got the point across. 
Yeah, so it begins with um, Bugs is getting his his ears done. Yeah, so he's, he's done know, up like a like own... hairdresser's. Yeah, just it's to the irons. Just wash my ears, and I can't do a thing with them. Yeah, no. So it's just it's it's really just setting up the dominoes, but it's just him doing a whole hairdresser's bit, and then uh, an apple hits his hair thing on the head and knocks him out, and you know. Brings him to ancient uh, England, the time of King Arthur. And, you know, Bugs wakes up and he's like, hey, what happened to the lights? As he runs into a a knight who immediately doesn't trust Bugs. And there's some, there's some great lines in here. <laughs> First of all, I already love the, the simplicity of Bugs, who is shoved to the corner of the frame with how much the, the, the knight and his horse and his... his like pointed stick, um, you know, because Bugs is shoved to the corner of the frame and just pathetically going, um, "What, what's up, Duke?" <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. So this knight identifies himself as Sir O of K, Earl of Watercress, Sir Osis of the Liver, Knight of the Garter. Where we get a nice reveal shot that he's wearing garters yeah. and Baron of. Which I liked. And then, well, this is a little talky to start off with, and um, it's the kind of thing where Bugs jokingly brings up, you know, oh, if you know my uh, my contemporaries, Duke of Ellington, Count of Basie, Satchmo of Armstrong, yada yada, and of course he hasn't. And Bugs basically climbs into the guy's helmet and threatens him. Look, sir, up of figs. Don't go around insulting my friends, or else you'll get me a can opener and open me up like a can of solid packed tomatoes. I like so, that. So Bugs pretty much said he's going to open up a can of whoop-ass. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. This was a precursor yeah. to the Martin Lawrence movie, Black Knight. <laughs> Which, look, isn't that a Warner Brothers movie? Um, I think. Let me check. Look that up, because that's the case and the crew play this in front of them. Um, I am checking, I am checking. Um, uh, 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 Ah, never mind. Um, I will say, I, I do love Bugs' line after the knight reveals all his tiles. He just goes, My, he's a big one! Yeah. <laughs> just, just completely belittling him to the audience. Yeah. Great. So there's this whole thing where, you know, the, the knight just tosses him an incredibly heavy, heavy sword to do battle with him. And there's this, this tension of the knight is coming towards him with his pointed stick. And Bugs is just still trying to pick up the sword, and we just keep cutting back and forth with him. I like Mel's run of ouches after Bugs kicks the sword while trying to trying to pick it up. And I will say, all of that buildup and Bugs just tripping the horse is certainly a move. I love the angles of the horse falling down. You really go into detail of the horse falling over and the knights getting just thrown into this this large tower. 
and, and this may have been a complete time killer, but just like what was the direction to, to from Chuck to Trek to uh to Trek Brown? Like okay, so all right, so um Trek just so we're just gonna pan down from the top of the tower to the bottom. Um, I whatever you want, man. Go to town. Just I whatever sound effect you want, cause there's some there's one sound of it I just laughed out loud with where it's like you're like oh ah, explosions then just like go oh oh or something like that yeah. like oh oh or some random ooing noise of like what the hell was that <laughs> at least they were having fun having fun they're having fun yeah <laughs> But yeah, and then we have this dragon gag, which oh yeah, it's it's self-contained, but it's it's kind of fun. Where first of all, this is a happy dragon too, so just like the the um, the happy shark and the happy bear, you know, all the animals are happy, but he's just very happily spraying fire everywhere. And I like Bugs' solution of him just taking out a little water thing and spraying him with water in the mouth until he's like out of fire. And. Like the little, the little embarrassed squeak he utters when he realizes he's, he can't do the one thing that's cool and just sort of runs away. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, so we then get this honestly very nice, very nice background design of um, Merlin of Monroe. Uh-huh. Having fun, guys? Yeah, I think they're having fun. Yeah, you know, we could do this in seven. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is, you know, Bugs is trying to get back home, so it goes to the Magician Merlin, and, uh, Jesus, that's an ugly fucking Merlin. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's an ugly Merlin. Like, I'm used to, like, you know, love the hat and the long beard. You catch to this Merlin, he's a freaking goblin, essentially. Yeah. Which which may have been accurate to the story, probably you know the the grim fairy tale aesthetic of Mark Twain, maybe. But uh, but yeah, it's like ah, okay, I guess you're Merlin. Sure. Um, but I actually do kind of like the Merlin segment here because it's it's Merlin just like oh yes, I'll help you, and just throwing magic dust at him and turning into things. And I love the, the the you know he turns Bugs into a pig, and Bugs just isn't playing with that at all, and just immediately takes out the little off the little pig outfit and comes back to himself. And then Bugs just <laughs> does a light his thumb on fire trick, and Merlin's just embarrassed; he doesn't know it. He's trying to see if he can do it out of Bugs's uh, sight line. And then you just just the bizarreness of this gag where Bugs turns Merlin into a horse. And he keeps taking off the costume and revealing more and more horses. It's so Wait. silly. Wait a minute. If if you're the donkey and he's Patrick, then who who's am fu- I? <laughs> then who's flying the plane? Um, but no, I liked how bizarre that got. And just, just that it was just a bunch of those. And then Bugs, when he realized he's got to get, got to get bonked by an apple... Again, to return to the presence, he does say, after all, they laughed at the man when he invented, pen, uh, when he discovered penicillin. You know, that's a good throwaway line. But yeah, no, that works, and Bugs returns to the presence. And uh, at his property, he walks by 
a farmer and a horse named Merlin. And I like the fact that we do get that twist ending where it's like, or Bugs thinks it's a dream. And of course, the Merlin that he's is just glaring at, at, at Bugs. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Yeah, it's just, yeah, just, I just love that. Just like off, off camera, just here. All right, Merlin, getting up now. It's just a completely bewildered look on Bugs' face as we fade out. Yeah, that's a clever. I like that. Um, to be honest, there wasn't a lot to this one, but there was funny gag work, some good ideas, some clever ideas about the King Arthur and Gagank and King Arthur's court concepts. Obviously, Chuck had been thinking about a lot of this. Uh, maybe a little sparse in places, as, as they clearly wanted to try and do a lot and once, but still some good stuff and great in So, I, I think this was much better than the TV special. It was. In my opinion. Because, with because you say like, oh, they could have, it, it feels like they wanted to do more. Yes. But what's great about doing short subject is you're kind of forced to put your best ideas into... You know, it's like, oh, you throw all these ideas you want to do, but then we get the chance to actually do all the ideas, and you look at it as a product, like a TV special, there's, it feels it could be cut down, yeah. which then takes you back to a seven-minute format. What I'm trying to say is, this short is a much more tighter, put-together version of what Chuck was trying to do with the King's Arthur Court yes. um, yeah. special. There's also a prime example of Chuck's uh, Bugs philosophy. You know, like, oh, you can just put Bugs anywhere. And the cartoon writes itself. Which isn't that easy. You know, the, the gag work very much helps there. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I, a lot of this was kind of just, you know, Bugs is confident. That that's what gets him by. Which, yes, that, that is the character. You know, but like, I, I feel like a lot of the gags were that. <laughs> a lot of the gags were just... Bugs in a situation. He's better than the situation. So he just does a basic thing that gets him out of the situation. Which, uh, it works. Works yeah. the character. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing I probably didn't like this as much as you did. I'm giving it a 3.5 out of 5. Yeah, I'm giving this a 4 out of 5. Yeah. I, 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 re- I really enjoyed it. I feel it yeah. really... And it's, it's more tighter, more put together... Of, of the three we've seen, uh, this is the one that actually got a response out of me. So just like, oh, that's good, you know. So that's fair. I mean, I, I was gonna, I was kind of complacent about all three of these, but like, you know, they're they're all good under underlooked gems of the fifties, even if they're not like the most memorable. All right, we put it to you guys now. Let's see what you guys thought about these, and if you guys think these are a little bit more memorable than we do. All right, friend of the podcast and collaborator of ours, James Irish at JRish780, uh, ran down the shorts, gave his opinion on it, said, French Rabbit is a weaker bug short, and the villains are somehow less of a threat than Elmer Fudd is his most gullible. They're also not nearly as memorable a hook to Bugs' as mischief here, which is what saved Hillbilly Air from similar fate. Yeah, we, we had some issues with French Rabbit. It's all right. It's, it's very McKimson-y, but um, you could have used a bit more... From these villains, other than just they're dumb. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very uh, simple cartoon. He also says that a pizza Tweety Pie, while slow to start, picks up nicely once it starts ta- taking advantage of its setting. That giant fish also looks like a refugee from a Pink Panther cartoon. David DePatty leaving its early mark, perhaps. 
Hopefully he's not influencing the Looney Tunes this early. I mean, it's not until Chuck leaves that he really sinks his claws into... No, it's not like he's evil or anything. He just, you know, we don't like Cool Cat. So... Yeah. He just made crappy cartoons that kind of tarnishes the end of... Listen, listen. Uh, I'll say that. I just watched a YouTube video about, um, like, Fleischer Studios and Paramount's animation division... No, no animation short studio who burned out ever had, like, a graceful ending, you know? No one ever did. It's a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of money problems. But, um, yep, David DePatty certainly didn't help. But, yeah, you know, um, pretty decent roll of things in here. Thank you for, uh, commenting, James, and hope, hope you liked what we said about these. Thank you. Speaking of underlooked projects... Hey, next week is a multiple of ten episode. Yes. I did that as Troy for no reason. Would you like to go into more detail, Troy McClure? Yes. (laughs) You see, at the end of the run of the Looney Tunes show, the beloved Looney Tunes-related project on Cartoon Network that people liked and then other people didn't, There was a movie project that was released direct to DVD that people also seem to have opinions on that are mostly split. That movie is called Rabbit Run. It was released in the early 2010s, and we're going to be watching it next week. Uh, I've never seen it. Mark, have you seen it? No, I haven't. So we have no opinion about it going in. We liked the Looney Tunes show, and we have plans to look at a little bit more of the Looney Tunes show very soon, actually. But, um, yes. this is our way of uh, doing more about the Looney Tunes show, writing and ideas, while also fulfilling our quota of doing a movie episode every ten shows. And seeing that it is, you know, episode 110, this is our first movie episode in 20 shows. And, um, yeah, yeah we haven't done one since, um, back in action? Was back in action our last movie episode? No, no, no it was uh, it was Bahamduck. Bahamduck was. Oh right, yeah. Bahamduck came was... after back in action. Right. Though I will say, to be a little spooky about it, um, there's only one more Looney Tunes movie after this one. Yeah. And we have plans to do other stuff. Yes, yes, yes. We're, we're, we're not done. Just, just, just like, like it's weird how. We're approaching all the released Looney Tune films. Well, I mean, we do have, like, one other one after uh, A New Legacy that came out very recently. Ah, that's right. That's and right. we have some other potential projects that hopefully um, Warner Brothers or HBO Max will eventually release in some fucking capacity. Yeah. Thanks for almost fucking over our show, guys. Thanks. Yeah, it was fucking great. <laughs> we do have ideas for other movies to cover, but that are going to be more in the same vein as Looney Tunes projects, or maybe include Looney Tunes in another capacity while not being official Looney Tunes movies, or just being movies we really want to talk about and cover. And I, I, we haven't really talked about how we're going to cover some of those, but I'm guessing that we might do the sort of analytical sort of way that we did Space Jam, maybe, or maybe we'll just run through them like we do usually. Um, I think. It'll depend on the movie, you know. Yeah, definitely. Because there's some where we can just go. There's a one, one, one in particular that we both want to really do. That we honestly, if we were allowed to, we could talk about that movie for hours and hours and hours. Uh, it's one of Mark's favorite movies. It's a movie that I love dearly, 
we're going to have to really limit ourselves to make sure that you guys can listen to it without getting really bored of it. Um, and there are other ones where, like, you know, we deserve to talk about this. And it's, you know, we can we can knock it out in a couple hours. But, um, yeah, those are going to be coming after that. But Rabbit Run is going to be next week. Yeah, that's a, actually an interesting one because it's so strange. It's a It's technically a Looney Tunes show movie. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have everyone from the Looney Tunes show in it. No, because Kristen Wiig was uh, famous then. So, yeah. That's for next week's show. Stay tuned for that. All right, so that's the end of this week's episode. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem, 1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode... You can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, uh, other ones that I don't list. We're everywhere, guys. You should know. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And uh, get ready for a movie episode that none of us have any idea what we're looking at with. And also, um, I should probably reference a running gag of some sort, but, uh, enjoy your spaghetti!